Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up A Well-Read Life. This week's book recommendation is An Everlasting Meal by Tamar Adler, a thoughtful book on cooking food without waste. Incorporating both creativity and technique in cooking, it is a guide to a more intuitive approach in the kitchen. Filled with beautiful writing, practical insight, and a smattering of recipes, it is a welcome addition to any kitchen library. A few years ago, I began a collection of cookbooks that soon outgrew the small space I had set aside for them so much so that I now have a dedicated space on my bookshelf for my cookbooks. It's funny, really, that I love them so much because I have spent the majority of my adult life scheming how to get out of making dinner. I could make a meal of toast. But I love cookbooks. I love the endless possibilities of the delicious food that they promise, while still being terrified of complicated recipes and inevitable failure. Which means that many of my cookbooks look as if they have never been used, The ones I use the most, though, are always within easy reach. They are the cookbooks I can't imagine parting with, containing the tried and true recipes that I love. They are there for the time when I must make something with my hands, when I itch for the feel of flour, to see it transformed into delicate scones or folded and kneaded into bread, or for the days when only a simple Alfredo recipe will do. One of my favorite cookbooks is An Everlasting Meal. When we brought our daughter home, I took the early morning feeding, my husband the late night feeding so I could sleep. I used that 3 to 4 a.m. window to read. One of the books that I read was Tamar Adler's An Everlasting Meal. It was as if I was under a spell as I read about roasting vegetables, her praise of the overlooked merit of boiling them, and her rhapsodic love of beans, yes, beans. I found myself looking forward to those early morning feedings just so I could squeeze in an extra chapter of the book with my daughter nestled warm and soft against me, and breathing in the sweet scent of baby, I would read about the benefit of boiling chicken and how to use parsley to brighten up your food. During the day as I moved about in a sleep-deprived fog, I would find myself easily incorporating the techniques she mentioned in her book. Fresh herbs were mixed with salt and lemon zest and sprinkled over hard-boiled eggs on toasted homemade bread. A bouquet garni simmered in a pot of beans for beans and rice, a meal I never thought I would willingly make as an adult. The leftovers were then topped with avocado and chili lime spice and generously sprinkled with cheese for lunch. This remains one of my favorite lunches to have in the winter months, and I'm craving it as I speak. From her book, I learned how to extend the life of food, how to make one dish and transform it into several versions of itself so that leftovers were no longer boring. It became a creative challenge that I look forward to, This book taught me so many practical tips for cooking, how to roast a variety of vegetables in stages, preparing greens for cooking while they roasted, and how to use the last bit of heat once the vegetables were out of the oven to toast nuts to top salads. An Everlasting Meal also gave me an outlet for creativity as a novice mother when so much seemed overwhelming and beyond me. It's been a little over a year since I read the book and already many of the things that I learned and incorporated in my cooking have slipped away to convenience during the busy stage of mothering a toddler. 
It is serendipitous then that I've picked it up to read again when I need inspiration for ways to cook simple, creative meals that will stretch over multiple days. It will probably serve me well to read this book many more times so that my memory of it stays fresh. And now, here's more about the story. The subtitle to An Everlasting Meal is Cooking with Economy and Grace. This is the perfect description for what this book teaches. It is unlike any book on cooking that I've read. I say a book on cooking because it is hard to imagine it solely as a cookbook. It includes recipes, but they don't make up the bulk of the text. It is filled with techniques and the philosophy of food. It stands in a class of its own. It is about conserving the food we buy and using up what we can. Waste not, want not. But Tamara Adler doesn't write an everlasting meal from a place of lack and want, but of choice, conviction, and grace. An everlasting meal does not have the usual format of a cookbook. This is one of the reasons that I find it difficult to define it as one. There are recipes, but they are sprinkled throughout the chapters. Each chapter in the book builds on one another, and it carries the idea of cooking with economy and grace throughout. In Adler's beautiful and simple prose, she shares techniques for cooking, for enjoying our food more wholesomely, and for extending a meal throughout the week in inventive and creative ways. The chapter titles are humorous, unexpected, and practical. How to Boil Water is followed by How to Teach an Egg to Fly. A few other chapter titles are How to Paint Without Brushes, How to Snatch Victory from the Jaws of Defeat, and How to Weather a Storm. One thing to keep in mind while reading this book is that your book list will grow exponentially. There are so many books quoted and mentioned that it will have you reaching for a pen and paper to write them down. The two I want to read most are How to Cook a Wolf by M.F.K. Fisher, an inspiration for an everlasting meal, and The Supper of the Lamb by Robert Capon. I own both now. The book draws our attention to the use of simple ingredients in cooking, also as a side note in our equipment as well. In one chapter, Tamara Adler lists the tools she uses in her kitchen, and they are few and mercifully inexpensive. For the most part, the ingredients for many of the recipes are accessible to home cooks, There are a few vegetables and other ingredients that are less likely to be in our kitchens, but it is rare. She devotes whole chapters to the humble egg and rice, staple foods for many. Through the use of garnishes such as parsley mixed with lemon zest, salt, garlic, and oil, simple meals are brightened and transformed. I have found myself experimenting with garnishes after reading this book. I am especially fond of a garnish of dill, lemon zest, and salt to top hard-boiled eggs. Along with the ingredients, the recipes and techniques are also simple and for the most part, not time-consuming. Many of the recipes are built on leftovers, which save time in the long run. Or, there are time-saving techniques to incorporate while another dish cooks. I gave the example of roasting vegetables in the introduction. In the cases where it is a more time-consuming process, she encourages us to relish the slow process and immerse ourselves in the task in front of us. Because An Everlasting Meal is a book on technique and food philosophy rather than a straightforward recipe book, it allows room for creative and intuitive cooking. Tamar Adler encourages us to use our senses when cooking, using our sense of smell to know what stage a cooking onion is at, or our hands to touch and feel the doneness of food, our ears to hear the sizzle of fish and meat. She doesn't divorce our senses from cooking, because these same senses will help us to enjoy the fruit of our labor. As a staunch follower of recipes, although known to make impulsive substitutions when I don't have the right ingredient, this type of intuitive cooking is both liberating and terrifying to me. 
I'm not sure how it will work to trust my instinct and my nose to tell me the stage a cooking onion is at. I'm terrified of failure in the kitchen, but I am still encouraged to try a more intuitive approach to my cooking. Until I read this book, I threw away scraps of vegetables. Celery leaves and the ends of carrots were unceremoniously dumped into the garbage can as refuse. Now, when I remember, I save and freeze them to be added to homemade chicken broth. It's simple and delicious, I promise. Or into a bouquet garni to season a pot of beans. It is a small way for me to extend the life of the food I buy. And along with that, it is a way to enrich the flavor of the food I eat. It is practical and economical advice, and it's helped me see my cooking in a new light since then. Another economical tip that I'm eager to try is using stale bits of leftover bread to make breadcrumbs to top salads and add texture and crunch to vegetables, or to make into croutons. Bread soup is an option as well. Incidentally, it's one of the only things I can't get behind in the book. I have a strong aversion to soggy bread texture. We have been told what is fit to consume and what is fit for garbage or composting, if that's your thing. But we aren't always taught in cookbooks the practical or creative ways in which we can prevent waste and use our food to its maximum potential. Thankfully, an everlasting meal includes these tips. One of my favorite chapters in the book is how to build a ship. In it, Adler talks candidly about times of falling out of love with cooking, times when cooking became only a means to stave off hunger. She opens the chapter talking about her love of food. For her, it is a means to express and show love to others. I appreciate this short chapter because it speaks to my own complicated relationship with cooking. I can sympathize with her burnout. There are days, especially lately, when the thought of cooking one more meal seems like a chore. But this is why I appreciate her method for coming out of burnout so much. She says, then the question is, how do you fall in love with it again? Or if it has never made you truly happy, fall in love with it for the first time. My answer is to anchor foods to somewhere deep inside you, or deep in your past, or deep in the wonders of what you love. Tamar Adler talks about memories of past meals which carry a poignancy in themselves. She describes it as a listening experience. So I listen hard. I listen with the purpose of remembering. And this digging into sounds and into days I have heard and felt Roots future meals and the unchangeable truths of past ones, she says. For me, this type of listening brings to mind memories of a season I spent studying in Switzerland, where I finally found an answer to my aversion to sandwiches. I realized I prefer to eat them open-faced. It is where I discovered that a meal of fresh bread topped with thin slices of meat and soft cheese and fresh strawberries from the garden sprinkled with sugar and doused in cream or slices of melon with its delicate orange flesh still clinging to its textured rind, the colors bringing to mind images of still-life portraits, can be enjoyed for its simplicity and is no less delicious because of it. She also returns to passages from children's books to bring back her love of cooking. Passages from E. Nesbitt in The Wind in the Willows, you know this speaks to my heart, and later to Hemingway's A Movable Feast. Mine would be food inspired by my favorite childhood books. Although a little more sophisticated in my food palette now than I was as a child, I am still drawn to a picnic spread like the one in Bread and Jam for Francis by Russell Hoban. Thanks to this chapter, these are the memories that bring me back to cooking. As I discover more of the foods I enjoy eating and cooking, I hope that I will remember this book. An Everlasting Meal is an invaluable addition to a kitchen library. It is a thoughtful and instructive book to teach intuitive cooking, if one can teach intuitive cooking, that is. 
It teaches you that you can use the ingredients you have on hand in your own pantry, with a little careful stocking to begin with, to make delicious and satisfying meals. I may not have the mastery of this type of cooking yet. I will always gravitate towards the safe boundaries of a step-by-step recipe, or find myself reaching for convenience if it's been an exhausting day. But I hope that slowly I will begin to incorporate it into our meals. If for nothing else, this book reminds me to take stock of the use I get out of our food. With grace, it questions extravagance and waste and tempers our appetite away from gluttony. It reminds us of the goodness of food. It opens our eyes to the potential for creativity and simple ingredients. It nudges us to set a table of simple and delicious food for those we love. Read this book if you want to learn how to incorporate economy into your cooking without sacrificing good food or flavor. Read it for its creative approach to cooking. Read it if you need a book for simple techniques that are easy to incorporate. Read it to be reminded of the goodness of leftovers and the satisfaction that can be found in stretching a meal. Read it for its beautiful writing. Even if you eschew cooking in general, it can be appreciated for its writing alone. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back on July 7th with a new episode. Until next time.